So I'm just going to take this away and start by thanking our viewers or listeners for tuning in. I'm Chris and this is my wonderful friend and colleague Simon Thomas and today we're going to have a very impromptu conversation about all things midlife because we are currently in a rather nice exotic training location and we happen to be partnering Simon's doing his hosts of workshops and so am I and today we have a little bit of free time and being keen to optimize that free time we thought why don't we sit down and do a little video so that's really why why this is happening in the background and this is something you guys can't see but there is a third friend and colleague vigorously preparing to ask us some questions so this is going to be an interesting take on midlife in the form of interview slash dialogue and I'm going to hand over to Simon because I know that it was very much your idea initially to talk about midlife because it's been a big thing for you over the recent years, am I right? Exactly right Chris and thank you for this opportunity to to join you on the podcast. Yeah, great. I've been a fan for well since you began. Um, so to be able to have a chance to have a conversation with you is really cool for me. Um, and yeah, midlife, I, I say it's been, it is an area of passion for me, but it's passion because I care about it. And it, that care comes from a number of different places. Mm -hmm. First of all, I've been through some pretty dark times in my midlife. Um, and through that, I'm hopeful to share some things so that other people can perhaps navigate theirs a little bit smoother. And how old are you now, Sam? 45 now. 45. Yeah, so kind of in that middle middle period. But okay. I guess I started pretty early. Um, so my story first starts about 10 years ago. And I remember it really clearly because it was a very hot August afternoon, mm -hmm. a Sunday afternoon. and. I regained consciousness lying beside the side of a road and I had paramedics over me and my wife was very nervously at my knees um, sort of as I was laid flat out on the grass and um, it was at, uh, at my, my sort of local 10k run and I had, I didn't know why I had done this at the time but I had actually pushed my mind, my mind had pushed my body so fast and so hard that I just blacked myself out. Yeah. And since then, mind over matter has kind of really fascinated me mm -hmm. as a separate topic. And, and at the time I was like filled with loads of shame. So why, why would you for a 10K, it's not even a race, mm -hmm. why would someone put themselves under so much pressure Such an extreme, yeah. Yeah, for a, a 10K fun run? basically. So I just pushed myself and pushed myself mentally so that my body just gave up and I'd collapsed by the side of the road. And so I had loads of feelings that I didn't know why they were there. It was a real sign signpost, but I didn't know it was a signpost at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I felt very shameful, like, why would someone want to do that to themselves, put people they love through so much heartache and shame and pain? Including yourself. Including myself, mm -hmm. yeah. And then that Sunday night, I got those feelings of dread again. Oh, I've got to go to work and last another five days doing something that I've just got to put up with for the rest of my life. And 
but I didn't know that that was an early sign. Uh-huh. It was an early sign that I was in the wrong place in my life doing stuff that really I just worked really hard at. Out of sync with out of sync. Sync. Okay. Because just by way of background for the listeners or the, the, the people who are watching, I can't wait to hear, and I genuinely don't know Simon's story, I can't wait to hear what you did to take yourself from that dark moment, which actually ended up being a moment of awakening by the mm. sounds of it, to where you are today. Because I know Simon as someone who is very much in sync with his purpose. Mm. So please tell us more about what happened after. Yeah, well, I had still some way to go down before I even got to that moment of awakening. So that was just the first, it was like the early tremor before, mm. before you get the proper major mm. earthquake. The animal sensing that something. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the, the animals leave the forest. Right? Yes. <laughs> the tsunami is already being triggered. Yeah, and you're left there thinking, oh, they look pretty. but actually something very bad is about to happen yes so that stuff that was bad was still happening so i hated going to work um i was this is like over still two years of going down into the what am i doing here i've just Mm. got to put up with this i had a very bad relationship with my boss who didn't appreciate or value me Um, i was being very undervalued i wasn't adding value at work and work has such great power it's not until we don't have a job that we realize what benefits work brings. Um, so, job or something with purpose? Does it have to be a job job? Or are we talking about yeah, it? Yeah, it could be, it could be anything with, with okay. purpose, where we feel like we're adding value. Sure. Yeah. Okay. So I would, I'd have tears in my eyes going to work. Mm. I'd have tears in my eyes coming home from work. Dread. The real dread. Oh. And it was, it got to the place where I started to seek some holistic help with that. Mm-hmm. So I went for some EFT, which is tapping therapy, to try and reduce my stress levels, my anxiety. I wasn't sleeping. And you know, actually the the bottom most point, my darkest time, Mm -hmm. I remember for a whole weekend between Friday and Monday, um, just laying on the the couch doing nothing. Mm. I, I didn't eat, I didn't sleep. I was no dad, I was no husband. My performance was zero, nothing. I couldn't, didn't feel, I convinced myself I was losing my mind. It was horrible, horrible. And that was the low point at which I kind of figured out something has to change from here. Would you say this is when the tsunami struck? Yeah, very much so, very much so. That was the darkest moment. And it was like a golden hamster wheel because you've got to stay to earn money and for the next bonus, and for the next paycheck, sure. and for the next promotion. The traditional metrics of success. That, that exactly. Is that what we really measure success by? And, and in my world at that time, it, it was. You wanted the share options, you wanted the, but And yet it was so confining, because you had to put up with crap mm. to get it. Mm-hmm. You had to put yourself through the mill. You had to work 10, 12 hour days every day to get it. And it's surface level, even when success comes. It's, it's not fulfilling. No. It's a quick fix. A quick fix. And you know what? When I look back, I was the worst dad. I would used to come home, barge through the door, be really grumpy. Mm. And yeah. get to bed, put your pajamas on, eat your greens. Knee jerking. That was just for the wife. So we can cut this bit out. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that, that was the lowest point for me when I just unable to function and then I had to go back in and get on the hamster wheel again yeah. for the rest of the week. 
So what changed then afterwards? Uh, what changed was every commute, every drive to the same place to meet the same people, I started to figure out the bits that made me happiest in what I did. Right. So I went to, to I was able to deconstruct my past and think, what were the shining lights mm-hmm. from all this misery, all the grey? What were the shining lights that lit me up? Yep. And those shining lights were helping other people to be at their best, to grow, to learn, to develop. So learning and development sort of shone through. Right. There was also a song that became my anthem, and this is going to sound really cheesy, Chris. Fine, again, we can cut it. If you change your mind. Katy Perry, Firework. Yes. Because you felt like a plastic bag. Because I, exactly, mm-hmm. drifting through the wind. Mm-hmm. And I just want, I knew I had some fire, some spark inside me, but this was not the way to let it off. You know, this was not the way to ignite it. I was not able to ignite anything doing what I was doing, so I had to make a change. So I decided to enrol and take myself through college again to, um, to get some learning and development qualifications so that I could start. Yeah. It was like having a career ladder, but it was up against the wrong wall. Yes. So you decided to fully commit to personal development and yeah. helping others with that. Yeah, yeah. And how long did that take? Was that a matter of, did things happen quickly once you'd made that choice or was it still an uphill struggle but mm. you enjoyed it more because you were more on purpose. Describe us to us a little bit how that phase of your life felt. Mm. Well something happened immediately. Mm-hmm. Immediately I lifted as a person because I had something that I wanted to do. Yeah. So that change was instantaneous. In fact it was a very emotional change. So I was again crying a lot at that moment because I finally found Something. It's like elation, isn't it? Yeah, like I've got this now. I've got an idea. So it, it enabled me to put up with a lot more crap. And going in and, and being able to go in and do that day-to-day grind because I had had a spark to something to hang and on to. resilience in a way for the other stuff. Yes, it, it gave me loads of resilience, yeah. Which is why I, if I can just add, share this, this is why I, what you've just described, is why I personally always say resilience is a result and not some kind of tape that is slip into someone's head because no. you had become resilient by reconnecting to your true self and then the purpose kicks in and then the motivation just it's bountiful um, yeah. yeah and that doesn't mean things are always easy and straightforward but you you keep going for the right reasons yeah and what you've described is something that i've become familiar with which is good stuff happens from the inside out mm. not the outside in so it's like an egg isn't it Life comes from the inside out. You try to burst it, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And that's very much like us, I think. We have to work on ourselves. And one of my key midlife messages is there's so much external pressure at midlife. Kids, work, whatever it is. Your own life itself. Life itself, Uh right? Uh But actually, I think it's like an opportunity for a self-appraisal halfway through your life. You've done some. And you can see where you've been from and where you're going to. But the work really is in here. And that, that's one of the key messages. I had to go through a lot of soul searching to figure out what my strengths were, what I enjoyed doing, what drained me. And, and once I've been really clear on those, those core things, I can steer yes. into a direction for the rest of my life. But it has to come from inside out. Right? Totally. And 
what would you say to, so obviously you had a very significant moment of awakening through a moment of crisis, mm. severe crisis, mm. physical, emotional, mental, spiritual perhaps even, mm. who am I, why am I literally collapsed on the floor? Mm. I want to optimize this conversation for viewers and listeners who perhaps have not had such a moment of crisis. Mm but still find themselves a bit lost or off track. Mm. Um, how could they have their moment of awakening? Because mm. not everybody needs to collapse on the road. No, so preferably what, not. what would your suggestion be for them? I would absolutely invite them mm. to take some moments of self-reflection and get something down on paper. Like a daily practice or what would that it, look it like? It could be, mm. but it could be a day away in somewhere peaceful, somewhere that's inspiring for them. Okay. Somewhere, somewhere like this, we're at the top of a beautiful tower here looking out over the trees in, in the Spanish countryside, it's amazing. But some place of distance for them to be able to consider some perspective on themselves because it's about self-knowledge this. So it's about how we reflect on what brings me joy in life? Who are the people who bring me joy? Who are the places? What's the work? What are all, list down all of those things that give me energy. That's the word, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. And once I'm really clear on the things, even down to, you know, if I really love spreadsheets, I'm gonna write that down as well. Mm -hmm. So it takes some time to actually drill and sift through to find out what those little bits of gold are. Now many people might say, well, that is all good and well, but that's not a very manly thing to do in case that you're a, you're, a, you're a guy listening to this, or I'm too busy for that, or I think that's a little bit, um, um, what's the word I'm looking for here, um, too self-adorning perhaps, mm -hmm. I shouldn't be doing this, I should just get on with life, I have work, I have tasks to do. And yet self-care and self-analysis is so important. Mm. Um, do you think people should be more okay with taking time out because the people I work with they come to me almost when it's I'm not saying it's too late but they are very far ahead mm. along the journey of well, it's not a good journey no, no so what what can what do you do to get people onto that journey sooner I think the main thing for me is to not wait yeah. because we're so busy living outside but we don't spend five minutes on that commute, on the train, on the bike, wherever it might be every day, on the inside, thinking, okay, so what, what am I grateful for? What's, yeah. what's lit me up today? In the moment. Yeah, and, and we, it's, it, I consider it to be like a stalagmite. You know the, mm -hmm. those rock structures in caves sure. that might one day, the ones that go The mites might yeah, reach yeah, the yeah, ceiling uh -huh. and the tights have to hang on tight. That's that's it. And tights have to hang on tight. That's, that's how I remember it. Uh -huh. Um, There's a Dutch explanation as well, but that's, <laughs> that's the X-rated version. Yeah, I know what you were going to say <laughs> about tights coming down. Exactly. I went there. Some Sorry. Things and some things stopped. <laughs> Go on. So this for me is around... Sorry, Mom. <laughs> uh, as we go through life, people and experiences put, make little droplets. Uh -huh. And the more droplets we connect and collect on our stalagmite, the more we know about ourselves. Nice. And the more stable we become, perhaps. The more stable we become. Stable in this context is yeah. probably politically incorrect <laughs> yeah. language. But, yeah. um, but, but for me, it's do we, do we, are we open enough to allow the minerals uh -huh. of experience, of other people's feedback, 
to, to make us grow bigger and stronger. And you've got to be open for that to start with. Okay. Every day, the droplets have to be allowed to come and build your stalagmite. Yeah. But the other thing that's really important here is it makes you be the expert on you. Mm. And I've had so many appraisals where bosses have thought they knew more about me than me. What you need to do is this. Here are your development needs. Yeah. And it takes the accountability away from me as a person throughout my whole life. So because we're living in the outside world, because other people's feedback, and let's face it, social media is a wealth of external input onto me, yeah. then it takes us out of the right space for us to be able to grow our own stalagmite and become the expert on us. And so I guess to answer your original question, it's like every day, am I open to allowing the droplets? So openness, awareness, commitment. Yeah. But also vulnerability, because someone could come into that cave and smash that stalagmite mm -hmm. very easy, because these things are very actually quite fragile. From the top, you can't really press them down because they're strong, but you come in from the side, you're not expecting it, the stalagmite might be broken. But the base of the stalagmite might be it could still strong be enough. Yeah. Exactly. So there's an element of opening ourselves up to allow this stuff, but still being vulnerable in the same moment. Excellent. Fully aware that we've just been ad-libbing for 20 minutes without any question from our friend <laughs> Sorry, in the Amy. background. So it's now a good time to bring you in with the questions or... So I have a question from a yes. slightly different perspective. Excellent. And I'm thinking about some people who might be watching this and they themselves aren't in that moment of crisis, mm. but they maybe live with somebody else, it could be a friend, family, like you mentioned, you know, you're being a bad dad and husband. Mm. Actually, if you're in that situation, what do you think would be useful for somebody trying to support somebody in, who's going through this kind of midlife crisis, mm. for want of a better word? Great question. Shall I go with yeah, that first? Please. There's a couple of things running through in my mind. First one is, you can't help someone unless they want to hear. And that's tricky because you're in that place of love and support and care for that person. And yet they still keep hurting themselves. And this goes for alcoholism, it goes for anything, mm -hmm. doesn't it? Unless you're really in that place where you're ready to accept and listen, it's very hard to be told. And in fact, if you do try and tell, then that gets resentment and rejection on top of that. So is this a respect thing or a patience thing or a bit of both? Or To start with, I think it's a love thing. Mm -hmm. so, so we always go back to that common denominator. Throughout all of this, it's, it's about love for myself yes. and, and also sharing that with someone else. So that, that's ground rule number one for me. I think the second thing is asking great questions and becoming a bit of a wife coach or husband coach for wife coach. husband tell maybe we've struck upon a new a new business model <laughs> a new course there <laughs> wifecoach.com okay enough Carry on. Cut, yes. cut that bit <laughs> but i think are you with me on the, the fundamental point is we when we when we really care about someone we want to tell them because we want to help and advise but actually what's needed there is love and then how is that working out for you? It's asking a curious coaching question. Yeah. To help someone figure out that they need help. What do you, how would you add to this? There's so, I mean, this is an entirely, this could be 
an episode in mm. itself mm. because I do think it is very important to comment, to go in with love and, and care and respect and ultimately what we want to generate I suppose is the intrinsic motivation that you had to generate for yourself mm. um, and it's not something that anyone did for you right you had to sit down and do the work like mm. you very kindly shared with us so I'm going to look at it from a different angle based on my life experience I have helped more people by being me than by being a coach mm. so for example, in, in the trainer world, there are people who are who, whom I love and, and very close with, and also people I've never met before. And then for some reason, some kind of gig puts you in the same space. Mm. If I say, for, share, for example, something about my anxiety or about a panic attack or whatever it is, to quote your vulnerability, that's not going in coaching somebody, but by me talking about that, that may plant a seed of like, oh, he talks about that, he's had that, he's quite open about that. Mm. I have that too, but I've never either acknowledged it or, or shared it with someone. And then I found that that has become part of a, of a dialogue, even a group conversation. Mm. So that is my way of doing it, and that's, mm. my, that's what I mean by just be yourself. That can be enough to help someone. Maybe mm. they just need to see what what it means to walk in, in faith and walk in nothing religious but in faith with your purpose and, and mm. being happy. Mm. Does, does that make sense? Because that, that's, really that's how I do it. I just and if someone then is ready to start a coaching dialogue, that's different. Mm. Then you can maybe go mm. in and be more you know what's the word technical about it, more mm. more coachy about mm. it. But initially I would never force anyone to sit down and say, no, sort no. it. Maybe then it's about listening. Always. Love, listen, and be you, be yourself. Love, listen, and be yourself. And trusting that, that two people are never in a relationship with, with, without any good spiritual reason. That's how I look at everything. Yeah. There's always a reason yeah. why. That's why we've met, why we've met with Amy and the other friends. Um, well, initially, colleagues who then become friends. So, yeah, I trust it. Mm. Amy, would you have anything to this for loved ones to support people who are going through difficulty? I think the being able to acknowledge the real drive is want to fix it for someone because you're right, when you really love them, you really care. I think that can be very difficult when you're talking about actually and I'm giving you space, I'm just gonna listen because you think, well, if they could just do this, mm. if they could just do that. I think, like you said, having that respect for where they're at, mm. as much as that is hugely infuriating, and sometimes I'm sure, mm. it's ability to actually say, you know, like you say, they've got to want to help themselves first, mm. but creating the right environment to do that, I think is really beneficial. It actually leads on to my next question, which was, Sam, you talked about hitting this horrendous moment of burnout, really, mm. and pushing yourself so far. Now you have the benefit of hindsight, what do you think were some of those maybe early warning signs that mm. you either ignored or missed mm. that if you had known what was coming, you may not have done something differently in advance? What were they for you? Back to the animals fleeing the forest. Yes, the early warning signs. Those tremors you talked about. Oh. I think one of my strengths also came through as one of my opportunities. So when I look back across my 20s and early 30s, I was a really hard worker 
And that was great because it meant that I got a management position. I worked great. I did great stuff at work. I achieved loads. And yet it helped me to ignore and mask mm. what was really going on for me in here. Mm. And so I think if I'd have had a bit more perspective in my 20s and 30s, and who does? Right? Life is about learning in your 20s and 30s anyway. So you, you can never really go back. And some would say that's the whole point of life. But nevertheless, I think the early warning signs were me being a grumpy dad, mm. um, me thinking of work as a chore, um, and me recognizing when I was working too hard and not taking enough time back for myself. I think I would have, if I'd have done some of those things, perhaps I would have listened earlier and thought, actually, admittedly, the career advice I got was zero. I chose my degree based on one clearing phone call with UCAS <laughs> and the fact I liked Birmingham. So I didn't set myself up right to start with. I just worked really, really hard at what I did. But like I say, it was up, the, the career ladder I was working on was pretty much up against the wrong wall. Without going into too much disclosure, but did you have any, like, Psychosomatic symptoms that you can recall from that from those days, and were you, you, for example, like bouts of anxiety or nervousness that were like been explained? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I had mini panic attacks. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in interestingly, in group environments mm -hmm. where I was catastrophizing a little bit sure. in group presentations and things like that. So there were some mini yeah. mini tremors, perhaps first. And now that's really funny because my life is, I love standing yeah. up in front of big groups and engaging with, with people to help them be the best they can be. So. And you do it really well. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Exceptionally so. Do you, before Amy um, fires off the next question, do you sometimes, when you're working with large groups of people now, mm. Do you have to remind yourself that this is the now and not the past, in terms of the, the panic that you experience? Or does that still kick in from time to time? And if so, how do you deal with it? If not, let's move on. Yeah, it's quite a simple answer. I feel like a reborn person now. I feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, and that enables me to be calmer yeah. and be myself more of the time. I feel like I had a load of masks and a load of rocks to carry before. Like, that was really hard life. Yeah. But now I feel grateful to be paid for something I love to do yeah. where I'm supposed to be. And, and that's really, really difficult for me to explain to people who mm -hmm. go around going, oh, I've got work this week. And I'm like, I've got work yeah. this week. It's really strange. And so in that happy place where I am working and living, I don't feel the need to be, have a panic attack anymore. No. And so it's natural. It's a natural level of nervousness before the gig yeah. starts, which is normal because you're not a robot. You're yeah. always going to be focused. Yeah. And also, um, and I'm sure you, you know this, but I've once heard that to the body, mm. nervousness and excitement feel very similar. Yes. So sometimes we yeah. think we're nervous, but we're actually so excited about the training day ahead. Yeah. And um, it's, it's funny, by way of background for the listeners, we are actually recording this in Barcelona mm. and the reason why we have this extra time is because some of the um, scheduled workshops didn't happen because of what's happening um, beyond the power of control mm -hmm. let's put it that way and I have seen you 
go like, oh, <laughs> but I want to train today. Yeah. And so I think we can bring this in because purpose is it's a cornerstone to managing midlife. Yeah. Christ, what's the better word for Christ? Opportunity, um, opportunity challenge, yeah. yeah. And so I've seen it when that purpose falls away momentarily, you mm. go like, oh. Yeah. And um, what I've also seen is how you didn't stay in that dark space for too long. You acknowledged it, you mm. honored it, and then you kind of started doing. Yeah, and reset. And I think one and of the. Being okay with. Exactly. Not, not performing. And this comes back to well being recipe. Mm. So one, throughout that, I was picking, throughout my dark times, I was picking up on the things that are going to reset me. And so cycling now is one of those things I've built in that resets me. Um, so I know now that I can go out for a bike ride, it connect with the countryside, and my mental health's mm. better, and my physical health's better, and I can come back and, and start over again. And so having those little tips and well-being resets have helped me so much through it. And your glutes benefit from your freshness as well. Yeah. So can I ask a devil's advocate question? Of course. Sorry. As I know. Sorry, Amy. As I know you as must do in every podcast. podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> Trademark. <laughs> when you grab your bike yeah. and you're like, it's time to go, mm. how do you know in that moment that you're not about to push yourself again to, a, mm. to an extreme you did? Many many years ago, how do you how do you know now that it's healthy self care mm. and exercise versus a, a need a, a kind of desperate need to compensate yeah. for something that's lacking? Yeah, because I don't obsess about it. Okay, and I've been to that place where I've been cycling obsessed, and it's not healthy at all uh-huh. for my relationship for anything. Because if I'm eating, thinking about cycling. Sleeping, thinking about cycling, training, thinking about cycling, then everything else vanishes into the background and I lose balance in my work, in my relationships. And I think of it like this, it's a three-way balance really. So if you can imagine a triangle balancing on a pivot, yes, you've got work on one side, mm. lifestyle, self on the other, and relationships on the third. Okay. And so if I'm overcompensating in cycling, lifestyle, yeah. and it kicks out it's, in my relationship and my work, exactly. that happens. And it's the same, if work's really bad, then I take it out on the people I love most, and I'll beast myself on the bike. Yeah. So actually thinking, how is my balance doing at the minute, has, has saved me quite a bit, because I, I trained once for Lands End John O'Groats, and um, that was part of this midlife challenge. I was mm-hmm. like, reaching out for crazy challenges to make me feel better. Yeah. And um, fixes in the way. In a way, I'm going to do this challenge, and you see a lot of Ironman um, people training for Ironman in this midlife phase because they want something to connect with, mm. and that's great. You know, the challenge of Ironman is very difficult and very complex, and and takes a lot of their devotion. As long as it's not at the cost of everything yes. else in the balance, I think the the triangle is a great analogy and visualization. So thank you for sharing. Mm. I've got a question about bringing this down to some really small, practical stuff for people. Mm. So if someone's listening to this now, and as you said, that Sunday night dread people have, mm. and maybe they listen to it on a Sunday night thinking, oh no, it's Monday tomorrow, how can I do this again? What would be your top tips to help them just feel that little bit more comfortable when they fall asleep tonight? Shall we do three each? Okay. However many. Mm. Can I have some time to think? Are you going to okay to go first? Or should, 
bounce between us. We can. First of all, let's remove the pressure of having to come up with the right answer. <laughs> yeah. And that would be my that would be my number one. Thing. Yeah. Just slow the flip down. Literally. Nice. Because if we get really, really real about stuff, many people won't wake up on a Monday morning. Because it's game over. So the fact that you do wake up, I think, puts you, you know. In a, in a very strong position to then make a decision to see what that day holds for you. Um, so perspective to answer Amy's question is get a sense of perspective. No matter how difficult it gets, we are privileged to be alive and to be in this life. And that's perhaps a spiritual take, but that's certainly how it works for me because the day is going to happen anyway. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a fact. Mm. And then I can choose yes. as to how I position myself to that day. Am I saying it is easy? No. Am I saying it is comfortable? Not always. What I am saying is that it is possible. Mm. So that would be my, my, first, um, my first tip is, is be grateful for even being in a position of Dread, like, oh my God! Actually, that's when you think about it. That's 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 a very privileged position to be in, because some people, as we speak, will not be here tomorrow. Mm. And welcome back to the party. So whether it's dread, joy, anger, it's all going on, and it's well, not the drops of your stalagmite. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm, tight. The, the drops onto the <laughs> stalagmite, Chris. Oh, You're true. the yeah, selling yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Yes, this is very true. So let me pick up on a word you mentioned there, which is choice. I think the second thing for me would be realizing you've got a choice. Each of us can choose how we spend this moment. We don't have to be here. You have a choice to do anything you want within reason. Sure, we have some commitments. We have to keep our dependents fed and watered. And we, you know, we've got this stuff. But actually, we live in a modern world in which we can choose to spend our week how the hell we want to spend it. You want to toss it off and not have a job? You could choose to do that. You want to actually do something that you love? You can do that. You want to cho you choose to do this commute, even though you're crying and you hate every second. Your cho your choice. And that sounds harsh, doesn't it? It sounds harsh, and and. We can talk about this because we are in the field and we understand the field. It sounds particularly hard to someone who is not in that frame of mind. No, true. But there's an element of accountability here. I, I, I have the power, maybe it's a different way of rephrasing it. I have the power. I'm not, I don't have to be a victim. I have the power. No. And so that was an important point for my moment is, Jesus, I could get off this golden hamster wheel at any moment? Really? I just have to have a plan to make sure my kids and wife are fed and watered and I've done all my financial That's where the responsibilities come in. But if I actually think about it, I could do that in learning and development. I might be poorer in some ways, but richer in a hell of a lot of others. And so that moment of accountability, that where I was like, I don't have to be a victim anymore. That was really liberating for me. My other tip would be Just health, your physical mm. health. Mm. I'm not a cyclist, but I do enjoy a workout. 
my first aid, my mental health first aid when I find myself get when I'm writing and I'm getting stuck or whatever, and I find myself getting frustrated, is get out of the house or the office and go for a walk. Just go for a walk. It's a forward movement, um, oxygen flowing around your brain and your system. That's um, so yeah. To keep it succinct, physical activity. Yeah. And I'm going to add another one onto yours, and that would be. This is going to sound woo woo, but I know we're okay with it, okay. this on this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Surround yourself in the fat moment with people and things you love. Mm-hmm. So it's very much about self love and loving others. Mm. And that's tricky because through midlife, often there are relationship questions that pop up and challenges. I've been quite fortunate in that that hasn't happened for me. So, so thinking of your team, your support team, your close team around you in life, I would come back to that as a, as a cornerstone in that dark moment. Oh. Like, let's get together and, and hang yeah. on together through this. But it would also self-love, so often I was self-defeating myself and beating myself up. And I chose not to put that in anymore from that dark moment on, on the sofa being no one. I didn't want to put that in anymore. So there's something in there about coming back to that whole L word of making sure I'm looking after and loving whatever's going on in here, whether that's good, bad, or indifferent. And also surrounding myself with people who are in my fan club. Mm. Mm. And in order to have a group of people who can support you like that, Mm. I think that requires all the work that you and I talked about earlier because otherwise you have the wrong people in your life mm, who are toxic. not the ones mm. who can give you at the level that you need. Very so, much so. Yeah. Yes, and so often we see at midlife that realignment of people moving away from wrong relationships, whatever that may yeah. be, and towards something new. Oh, relationships that have served their time. Yeah, really. yeah. Because um, we're all teachers for one another. Mm. Good. Like, um, I know that Amy is very keen for us to stay on track. So maybe one more each. I'm going with the gratitude. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, neuroscience proves all of the time how gratitude fires all, sort of, all sorts of endorphins and, and good stuff mm-hmm. uh, in our brain and thus our system. People say, oh, I need to sit down. I need to make a list of something I'm grateful for, three things even. And it's funny, whenever you do that with participants, with delegates, they, many people really find that hard. Yeah. Because they think it's got to be big stuff. Yeah. Like, oh, I want something today, mm. or, you know, this happened for me, I was given a promotion, or like really milestone events. But that's not how I see it. You have, you brushed your teeth this morning, I did, hopefully, yeah. So <laughs> that means a couple of things. A, you've got teeth, so be grateful for that. Start with that. You, you, you've, got, you've got hands to hold your toothbrush, mm. so add hands to your list. Mm. Toothbrush means that you probably had some money to buy a toothbrush, mm. so add that to it. And actually, before you know it, have fun with it, and before you know it, you have like 20, 30, 40 items on your list, mm. or your list, and... and you have literally put yourself in a better space, physically and, and mentally. So, gratitude is a big one for me. Mm. And it's a nice way to optimize time whenever you find, or I find myself getting 
nervous or, or stressed about something, like, I don't know, maybe a, a, a visit to the doctors or um, before an interview or whatever, you know, where there's potentially going to be stress mm. and, and anxiety. It's like, just stay in a state of gratitude. Mm. And before you know it, it's your turn. Mm. It's got a bit on that, isn't it? How gratitude is a stronger sensation than, than fear, than anger, than all these other things. And it can, it can almost flip us into a different place. Because it does, yeah. Does that leave me with the last one? The final one from The final Simon. one from me. Yes. I think the final one from me would be take, take an action. So it would be learn something. Maybe that's it, learn something. Oh, either yes. about yourself. So maybe it would be, I'm going to plug, I'm going to shameless plug here, but Martin Seligman is the founding thinker of positive psychology. And he's got some great free resources and surveys I use all the time. And one of the questionnaires is called VIAS. So if listeners want to, to check it out, if you search sas.pen, P-E-N-N, and then VIAS, V-I-A-S, you can do a free survey on what your own character strengths are. Right. Now this isn't, I'm good at planning or organizing, this is very much you as a person. And it ranks your character on strengths from your preference to your lowest preference. And that was really useful for me, just to do one thing that helped me learn about myself so that I could take my next step towards being better. Cool. So what that taught me was one of my top strengths is energy and zest. So I come to life when I'm being energetic. And also, it's weird because when you do that, you feel more confident, you feel more satisfied, you feel more fulfilled. So when you're doing what you love, it's this self-fulfilling prophecy. And I realized that my day job had none of those things in it. So that was like a wake-up call for me. So maybe taking a small step towards learning something about you would be my, my final top tip, as it were. Because I don't think a moment of that stuff's wasted. That all comes together to help me figure this stuff out yeah. for midlife. And, and figure out where my future direction should be ahead of me. Animals fleeing, stalagmites, stalactites, in a very interesting conversation. Um, before I wrap it up, Amy, have you got any final questions for us? Well, or friend. your top tip even. Mm, <laughs> true. So I would mind sharing you about the gratitude thing. I think for me, if you've got that opportunity to focus on something choose to focus on the good thing rather than the bad. And then it's often easier said than done sometimes, but actually I think it can really help in those moments. My final question for both of you, and thank you for everything you've already shared, would be having had this conversation with each other, what have been your kind of top takeaways at this conversation this morning? Top takeaways from this conversation. Let me start with gratitude. Thank you for being a great guest, although it was a, diff a different format. I thoroughly enjoyed it. So my takeaway is that it validated what I expected all along. You can optimize time, even downtime, like today. And so that is my key, that is my key takeaway. That you can, because that links back to the choice thing. It could have been a day of, oh my God, what's going to happen? Not much on today. Mm. And versus, 
Let's create something. Mm. Let's empower ourselves to do something with this moment. And I have a feeling that this video or podcast is going to be very helpful to many, many people. So that's that links back to what we talked about. And so that is my key takeaway. Mm. Thanks, Chris. Mm. And for me, thank you for, having, for giving me the opportunity. I've been an avid listener for <laughs> many, many months now. Great. And so to actually be part of this conversation has been a privilege and a joy for me. So thank you ever so much for the opportunity. And I think what this specific conversation has brought me mm. is really a confirmation that the stretch zone is a wonderful place. Mm. Because I don't mind sharing. I, I've been a bit nervous about the thought of talking and sharing something that's going to be hopefully of use to other people. But, but if there's one thing I know about the comfort zone, nothing ever grows there. Mm. It's like it, isn't it? Yeah. So, so keep stretching, keep, keep putting yourself into mm. these positions of stretch. And if it's on the path, it's, it becomes something that, that's exciting rather than to be feared. You're absolutely right. I'm quickly going to sh add something in, in mm. closing. It, it's on topic and also kind of something new um, because you mentioned comfort zone. And mm. for many people who live with anxiety, they feel homebound quite literally because mm. they don't dare go outside and socialize. And so they say, I don't go out because I have anxiety. And I dare say, no, you have anxiety because you don't go out. Maybe. Maybe. Because the anxiety is possibly not going to heal itself by mm. you sitting on the couch all day long. But by going out and expanding that confidence and stretching it, leaving it, you discover tools, people who are there to help you, um, you know, solutions, whatever, um, which is available plentifully. But we yeah. need to take ourselves to that position. Yes, and I think you're absolutely spot on because we get anxious because we think of the worst things that could happen when we're outside. We don't think of the easy first step, which is one step outside your door, enjoy the sunshine and go back in. Correct. We, we immediately go to catastrophize on, God, going outside means me traveling on my own to the middle of Manchester, which could be like a year away, but actually it's stretch zone could be today, one step outside your front door. So I think there's definitely something in there on choice, something in there on taking the first step into your stretch zone. It doesn't have to be a mile ahead. Mm -hmm. It has to be just seizing the day, I think. Taking the first step, hopefully we've inspired many people to do just that mm. after listening to your story and our conversation. Once again, thank you very much for being a wonderful guest. Amy, thank you for being the moderator and asking extra questions. That's it for now and we will reconnect on the next episode. Thanks everyone. Thanks Chris. You're welcome. See you later. Coffee? Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs>